broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation coming in hot after the Aviators beat the brakes off of Salt Lake 22 to 9. Big time game, big time victory right there for the Aviators. So we get started a little bit later here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And we've got a loaded show for you today. And we kind of estimated that we were beyond a little bit earlier. So we loaded up the show. And well, now we've got a lot to get to in a little bit amount of time. So we're going to jump right into it. Joining us in a couple of seconds will be Vic Tafer from The Athletic. We got Justin Mello from the Draft Network joining us at 3 o'clock to talk about NFL draft lotteries. What do I mean by that? Well, I'll get into that around 3 o'clock. Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network, will join us at 3.30 to talk about NFL offenses and where he has the silver and black ranked is 14th. I'll just tell you that right now. Third in the AFC West. We'll break that down with Arif Hassan coming up at 3.30. Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She always joins us on Wednesdays at 4 o'clock. We'll talk all things LV Aces. And, of course, as I mentioned, Vic Tafer will get us started in the opening drive in a matter of seconds to talk all things Raiders. He put out a piece on The Athletic talking about over-unders across the league. And he, the, the right now, Vegas has the Raiders at under 7.5 uh, for the total wins for the 2023 season, and he's taking it. He's taking the under on that. So 7.5 total wins, according to Vegas, and uh, Vic Tavers taking the under. So we'll talk to him about that, talk to him about why, talk to him about the roster, and also get his thoughts on Marcus Peters, as he was the one that reported Marcus Peters visited with the Raiders on Monday at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So, Kind of rushing into the show. Hate to do that to you, but that's just kind of how it is when we got, like I said, pushed back a little bit due to Aviators baseball. And we do appreciate the Aviators and uh, big ups to them for uh, getting the big victory. But it's very rarely that you go into a baseball game thinking it's going to be a 22 to 9 or 22 to 10 type game, but that's what it ended up being. So let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. And Vic Tafer joins us to kick off the opening drive here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. And Vic, thanks so much for your time. I was checking out your piece, the NFL 2023 over-under wins total, best bets and picks for all 32 teams. And of course, we want to focus in on the silver and black. Vegas has them at 7.5 wins. You have them under, and you talk about the roster not really being where it was last season so to you when you're looking at the Raiders roster where do you see that it took a step back well I think um offensively I think even uh, I think you know, obviously Jimmy G um has some wins for the Niners but I think in terms of talent wise he probably is a downgrade from Derek Carr I would think I think it's close but I think on uh, the receiving core and Darren Waller and obviously it wasn't up to where it was last year but in terms of getting some talent I think that's a a loss that wasn't replaced. The whole line's kind of the same boat. Uh, defense, I think the secondary still kind of a big question mark. I'm not sure who's going to emerge there. So I don't really see any impact um, guys uh, on defensive, uh, defensive side of the ball and agency. So I think it's close. So obviously they weren't great last year, but I think they're still 
a lot of question marks uh, on the roster. You know, when you look at the offensive line, I'm glad you brought them up because, you know, everyone will tell you, and I've said it myself, that, hey, you know, they, they helped Josh Jacobs lead the league in rushing. And, you know, that was a hell of a season for Josh, no doubt about it. But the Raiders didn't have their offensive line even fully intact until, I don't know, but it felt like seven or eight games into the season. How much more do you think that it would help this offensive line if at least by week one they know exactly who the starting five is going to be? Yeah, I think it would help, but obviously they, like they said last year many times, and Josh and Dave, like they feel like having interchangeable parts is more important. They think that the, the main having a main group of guys that can do that is more important than having guys who are set at their spots. And like this year they're bringing back Brandon Parker, so I'm not sure where he fits in. If he uh, will compete and, and get the right tackle job, or if Elmore will move inside. So there's still things they can do. Um, they realize there's a need there because they were trying to get Paris Johnson in the draft or in the first round. So they realize the impact guy would definitely suit them pretty well. But I think they're also okay with going with the guys they had last year. How many positions do you think may be open or up for grabs on, along that offensive line? Like, are you looking at right tackle and right guard? Or are you looking at – I mean, where, where are you looking at as far as offensive line goes? Yeah, I think those two spots. I think, I mean, I think last year – I'm not sure what changed. I think last year the plan was at some point to move Dylan Parham back to center – I probably would see other James maybe go somewhere else, but he's back, so I think they realized that that probably was your best um, best choice this year. So I think other James will be at center and Parma at guard, and you got Cole Miller at left tackle. So I think that right side, especially the right guard spot, I think is really up for grabs. I think Jermaine's fine at right tackle. If you can't upgrade, you can. We'll see what Parker can do. But to me, the big hole, they could find someone still, is right guard. Vic Taver from The Athletic is our guest here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raiders Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. When it comes to the over-under for the Las Vegas Raiders, what do you regard as that part of the season that's going to be the toughest for them where you see that maybe they aren't going to get to that 7.5 threshold? Well, for me, it's the first four games. I think that first four games, they got back-to-back world games at Denver, at Buffalo, and they host Pittsburgh in the opener, then on to the Chargers in, in Week 4. That's three out of four in a row, so... Especially the team that's trying to find its footing, a team that has question marks and trying to prove the roster actually is better than it was last year. A good start will be important. So I think those four games are kind of killers. So I think they got to emerge, come off from that first four games, a uh, two and two, to have any chance at, at getting the over a uh, seven and a half wins. When they have that home stretch that starts basically right after those first four games, do you see those? Do you see those being favorable matchups, or are those going to be just as hard, even though they do have that home stretch? Yeah, I do, because in the next two games, they're home against the Packers and home against the Patriots. And those are kind of like, kind of coin tosses, I think. I mean, again, those teams are also kind of uh, up in the air. So I think when you look at the over-under and, and the 7.5 total, you got to look at the non-divisional home games, because I think they have six of those. they got to go 4-2 or two in those games to get to the over. So I guess that's possible. That's the best-case scenario. But you got to win those two games you mentioned. And I think um, you also got to split your division games, which I'm not sure that's really in the cards this year. But it's possible. So... I think when you look at getting over seven and a half wins, you need a lot of good things to happen. How much better do you think Sean Payton makes the Denver Broncos this year? Yeah, I think really a lot better. Just in terms of um, he's got he's got the, the resume and the pedigree. I think he brings respect and discipline. I think that team was a mess last year. Also, they made a, a big mistake in the coaching hire. So he comes in, and I also think Russell Wilson, uh, as bad as he was last year, the last month of the year, he actually got a lot better. I thought he started to fix some things and make some throws. He wasn't making the first part of the season, so I think uh, Sean Payton's a big, uh, big addition for him. So uh, I think they're a lot better than they were last year. 
you think they'd be a lot better than last year, but I mean, eight and a half wins, how much better can they be when it comes to actual wins on the field? I don't know if you've looked at their entire schedule, but where do they get those wins? Because if they get to nine wins, they're going to be looking at maybe a playoff push. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, the schedule also I think is, is okay for them. But, again, I just think in terms of, uh, you know, football is so much about confidence. I think uh, last year the Broncos did have, had none uh, pretty early on. So I think he's a big a big boost for that. And I think Russell Wilson also, if he gets going, I think he's also a guy who can get you in the right direction pretty quickly. So and, uh, running back is back. The defense is still okay. So there's pieces on, on that team where I think they can make a jump to nine wins. Now, I'm not saying this is your absolute best bet, but the first one in the article is the New York Jets under 9.5 plus 110. Do, are you not believing in Aaron Rodgers as much as the public <laughs> is? No, I, I believe in him. He's, he's, still, he's still a man. He's not the man he once was. He's still a very, very good quarterback. I mean, I love a good roster, but to me, the schedule's tough. And the division games are tough. The non-division games are really tough this year. I, I forgot who they get, but they get some tough divisions. Uh, so, and it's going to take him a while to get his footing. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers comes in and it's in sync that everyone right away. So, to me, it's a, it's a tough, tough schedule, which is why I went under. Not so much because of him, but it's because of the schedule. Again, we're talking with Vic Tafer here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920, talking about the Raiders over-under as far as their win total. And it's at 7.5 for us, for Vegas, and uh, Vic has them under 7.5. And, and one of the things you pointed out in your piece was Josh Jacobs in the season he had in 2022, and he had a fantastic season. What do you believe are, like, realistic expectations for a J.J. this upcoming season? I think close, maybe a couple of hundred you know, yards less. But, I mean, obviously last year he was completely healthy. He was motivated. Uh, you know, everything went the right way as far as his, his, his season. The O-line stepped up. So, I, I can't imagine all those things break the same way this year. I mean, it could, but mm-hmm. if, if they are, we're talking about, a, you know, a, a historic running back. But I think he's very, very good. I think we'll have a good year. But, again, we also don't know what his, his peace of mind is going to be like. Is he going to be happy with the terms of the contract and, and coming out on tag? So, a lot of question marks even with Josh this year. And you, I mean, you've been covering the NFL long enough. You know that players are just different when it's a contract year. And last season for J.J. was a contract year. Yeah, exactly. And I guess for me, more it's more about the durability. He's always a pretty tough guy, but he has always been able to play in every game like he did last year. So I just think asking that to happen again is a lot to ask. And I think also the Raiders also, I think ideally, would want to bring somebody in to kind of take some of that load off their shoulders as well. If it's Amir White or one of the other backups, but I can't imagine they want to give him the ball that many times uh, again this season. Yeah, no, he carried the rock a whole lot in 2022 on his way to leading the league in rushing. Final question for you, Vic. You reported on Monday about Marcus Peters uh, visiting the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, uh, talking to the Raiders' uh, front office. Any kind of an update on that, or is that just in wait-and-see type mode? Yeah, he came in and he left. I think it's the wait-and-see type mode. For, for me, I think if you're a better player, doesn't make a lot of sense to sign right now because I'm sure the offer's not great. I'm not sure what it was if it was an actual offer, but I'm sure the only reason he was signed now is if you kind of get a huge offer where you can't really see yourself turning it down, whereas you wait until closer to training camp, teams become more real, what they need more, I mean, injuries, you can get more, I think, more value because the contract made more money if you wait at this point. Are you surprised that a guy uh, in unique Ngakwe is still out there available when you know that he's going to get you about eight sacks a season? I am surprised. I think, he, I mean, he's got, for some reason, he's got a bad rap. I think um, he's not really the biggest team guy. He's uh, not great against the run. But, man, he's got a great skill. He gets the quarterback. Right. And I think he brings a, he brings a energy and a, and a hunger and a, a, like, like his edge he brings to the team. I thought he was great with the Raiders. So, I think it's for him it's a matter of time. Again, I think at this point, if you're a, a player who's you know, pretty good and not, you know, has some teams still looking into you, 
I think you might as well just wait at this point and get the best offer closer to camp rather than signing now. Yeah, Unique Ngakwe is funny to me because, again, you're, you're guaranteeing he's going to get eight sacks. As long as he's healthy, he's going to get eight sacks for you every season. And that is, like you said, a skill that every team wants the more guys they can get to the quarterback. Well, Vic, great stuff as always. My man, what are you working on for the athletic that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, just some, you know, some minicamp previews. I think I'm doing a Michael Michael Mayer feature. And okay. let me ask you guys a question. You guys gave me a hard time going under. You guys haven't gone over seven and a half wins. No, you know it's funny, Vic. I went over the schedule a thousand times. I promise you, and I keep coming up in this window. And I'm, a, I'm I am over a seven and a half. I was I kept coming up with like eight, nine, ten wins. But then Demond said seven, and so we kept going over it. So I have them in a window. <laughs> of seven to All ten, right. and 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 I know that that sounds like a lot for a team that won six games and has a very tough schedule, but that's that window I'm in seven to ten right there. Yeah, to me the best case scenario was nine wins. I mean, I think that's the best case scenario. So and that's if everything goes right. Right, it might, but I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be six to seven or eight wins this year, and that's why Vegas makes you know it's a good, it's a good number. It, it makes you kind of look at both sides and. I'm sure some guys feel strongly about the over and some feel strongly about the under. Well, they've done well the last few years. I don't know. I can't remember last year. I think they what? They they didn't they didn't hit the win total last year, right? Because they only had six. I don't remember what this, the yeah, win last total. Yeah, last year was the first, the first time in, I think, three or four years they went under. Yeah, that's what I thought. Previous, yeah, last they, year they didn't quite get there. They, there you last go. year everyone was fired up with you know, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams. Yep. And, People talking about Super Bowl. People were fired up last year. I th- hey, look, I was a believer. I was a believer. I thought that offense was going to be incredible. <laughs> I thought they were going to win 10 or 11 games. They were going back to the playoffs. And, man, it was going to be uh, rainbows and puppy dogs around here. Well, there wasn't. There were stray dogs and uh, and, and and alley cats or the ones that the, – the raccoons or the – what are those animals that be up in the press box at Oakland Coliseum now? Um, the rats? What, what? No, what's the, the – the, what is that animal that's in the press box all the time now? You guys know what is that thing? No. In the Vegas press box? No, in the in the in the Coliseum's press box. Oh, rats! They had rats in the cook machine. Yeah, there you and go. They had, and they and they had they had uh, skunks down by the locker room. So it was uh, it was not good. Yeah, well, that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened last <laughs> season. There wasn't rainbows and puppy dogs. There was skunks. There was rats. There was a whole lot of that. And so, yeah, there you go. That that's what I got for you, Vic. That's my best answer. So, th- thanks so much for leading us off today. Thanks for pushing back for us as well. I appreciate you. All right, guys. Take care. All right. Vic Tafer right there from The Athletic on Twitter. Vic Tafer. I couldn't remember. What was the animal? Still, I haven't come up with the name of it. What's the animal or rodent that is hanging out of the press box and that they had to move the damn broadcast? You know what it is. I just like, I know I know the story vividly that you're talking you about. You know the animal, right? It's got the big old long nose. It's related to a rat, but it's not a rat. We can get to this after the break. What's it called? I want to know what it's called. It's. <laughs> I'm watching the A's game on TV, so that's a part of the reason. We got to take a break. 258 is the time. We'll come back with whatever animal that is that's hanging out of the press box. You got it? No, you don't. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the five. Touchdown, Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And the biggest question I had today has been answered and solved by many members of Raider Nation, like my mom, Mama Q, Raider Mike in Colorado, Sir Whiskey Ray, a text from the 661, a text from the 408, a couple calls that we had during the commercial break. 
It's a possum. That was the name of the animal, and I guess it's really a rodent that I was trying to come up with. We all know that they're related to to rats and mice and all that, and of course they hover in the Coliseum press box. That's what they do. So thank you to everyone who chimed in and let me know that the name of the rodent I was trying to come up with was a possum. So definitely appreciate that. Join us now on the phone line who has no idea what we're talking about and why we're talking about possums is our guy Justin Mello from the Draft Network. And Justin, thanks so much for your time. And I wanted to have you on to talk about the piece that you put out. Should the NFL consider a draft lottery? We saw the draft lottery happen last night for the NBA. We saw fan bases so super excited. And ultimately, the Spurs come out as the big winners as they got the number one overall pick. But what made you come up with this piece? What made you decide to write this piece about the NFL considering a draft lottery? Well, I thought it was fairly timely, right? I mean, you, you yep. saw the spectacle that the NBA put on last night. Certainly one of the most you know, important lotteries uh, you can really argue in their history, right, is San Antonio Spurs now reserve the right to draft with arguably the best prospect since LeBron James. And you saw the natural excitement from the Spurs, right, when they won the lottery. And I thought to myself, I don't remember seeing a team, you know, that visibly excited. The gentleman representing the the organization slammed down on the table, pumping his fist into the air. Got me thinking, you know, the NBA's got a lottery. The NHL has a lottery. The NHL lottery just happened recently as well. And I, I sort of argued uh, you know, if you saw the success that they had with the Chicago Blackhawks getting the number one pick, they sold more than $3 million worth in season tickets about one hour wow. after winning the lottery because they're getting the right, uh, funny enough, to draft one of the best prospects, too, in recent memory in Connor Bedard. So you're seeing this in the NBA. You're seeing this in the NHL. I thought, thinking ahead to 2024, the NFL draft's going to look pretty good, you know, with, with Caleb Williams coming out of USC Drake May coming out of North Carolina, even Michael Penix Jr., Quinn Ewers. There are a lot of quarterbacks that have a chance to be taken right at the top of this thing. Just imagine the excitement from the fan bases. I know there's a lot of pushback to it. And don't get me wrong, I understand all the pushback. If you had if, you know, read the article, more so about um, why I can see the NFL considering doing so. And I thought I made some strong points based on their bottom line. No, you did. You got me thinking. And and that's why I wanted to have you on to talk about it. And really, it's a, it's a topic that I have for the show today and just kind of what it would look like if the NFL did that. Do you think that there would be that, ex- that much excitement every year? Because obviously the quarterback is the position that everyone's going to try to go get that guy, as you mentioned, Caleb Williams and Drake May. But what if it's a year that's considered like a down year, like this one was when it comes to the quarterback position? Would there still be the fan base super excited to land that, that number one overall pick? It may not be quite to the extent of like a generational prospect, but ask the NHL, ask the NBA. They've done mm-hmm. just fine, you know, with their lottery in years where they didn't have a top ranking prospect. And I would almost, you know, counter argue and say, if this year's draft, you know, wasn't as strong as some thought it was, well, you wouldn't have had the Carolina Panthers trading all the way, you know, from number nine to number one overall to get a quarterback, right? And some other teams, Houston Texans coming back up from 12 to three. So you saw some of that movement because there was excitement over these players. Right. So I I think even in quote unquote down years, look, losing fan bases, if they need something, what they need is something to get excited about. Right. Like, like that's always, and winning the lottery. Heck, if the Jacksonville Jaguars, they got excited about Trayvon Walker, number one overall last year. And what was considered to be one of the weaker uh, draft classes, at least uh, on the top end from a quarterback perspective, there's still, there was excitement for them to pick them. There would have been excitement if they won the lottery, right? So I, I do think even in down years, and look, the NFL, if they can package and sell a three-hour 
televised show releasing a schedule. A schedule where you, I remind fans, they always forget this when the schedule comes out. You already knew who the opponents were, right? You're all, you're not finding out the opponent. You're only finding out when you're going to play them. If they can package and sell that, they could package and sell the heck out of a draft lottery. A strong argument right there from Justin Mello from the Draft Network here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary. Ruthness DeMond's got one for you. You mentioned the excitement of the representatives for the team. I always got to take it back to the NBA draft lottery. 03, the Grizzlies, it was basically a top one protected pick with the Detroit Pistons. You get number one, you get LeBron. You get number two, it goes to the Detroit Pistons, and that's what happened with them. Do you think that teams would be smarter if there was a draft lottery or if it comes to, hey, we want this to be top five protected or, you know, top ten protected? Do you think that that would make GMs, like, more like more aware of the trades that they're making when they just say, hey, we'll kick that first-round pick down the road? Well, I, I do think if you were to implement a lottery system, then you would probably see a lot of those uh, sort of identities instilled into the NFL and the trade system. You would almost certainly start seeing picks being uh, protected, right? If we're trading a pick for this guy, it's top five protected, it's top ten protected. I imagine it would be very similar, and you'd see the same thing in the NFL. So when it comes to the business, like you say, of the draft lottery, the NBA, we see that it's a, skept- a spectacle. Do you think that the NFL – draft lottery would even break some NBA NBA games viewing totals when it comes to the ratings that could bring in? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, no, there's no league, no company better in America <laughs> at putting on a spectacle than the NFL, right? Like, I, I mean, I remember a few years ago on Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee, when the Titans, they revealed new uniforms for crying out loud. Yeah. You had hundreds and thousands of people packing the streets, right, just to get a look at new jerseys, which, by the way, had kind of leaked online prematurely. So if you knew where to look, you had already seen them. Uh, you go back to the draft in Nashville, and they had more than 500,000 people come through. And you've seen that you know, sort of consistency in Las Vegas and Kansas City throw on a heck of a show this year. So I, there's no one. And look, one of the arguments I made in the article, and I'd, I'll bring it up, is we're talking about money in the NFL. There's no coin they won't overturn, right? Like right. They, We're talking about a league that the day that I wrote that article, they sold the rights to one playoff game <laughs> exclusively to a streamer, right, the Peacock, for $110 million, right? You're Oof. talking about a league that implemented Thursday night football, which is not safe for the players. It's not good for the players. Nobody likes it. But it gave them another day to dominate cable ratings on Thursday nights, right? You're talking about a league that now plays five, six, seven games overseas yearly. This year, they're going to a new city altogether in Frankfurt, Germany. They're going there twice. They never played in Frankfurt, Germany before. But because they played in Munich last year and it was a success, they're open to exploring new avenues. So don't, don't kid yourself. This is a league that's always exploring opportunities to make more money. It's never enough, right? It's never enough. Can you imagine the marketing opportunities that they would have by putting on a draft lottery? You forgot about Black Friday. <laughs> I wrote that in the article. Yeah, right. You're having a Black Friday game. They already have three games on Thanksgiving, right? It's not enough, right? They're following that up now the following day with a Black Friday game. And you can bet you're behind. It's about to become an annual tradition. And then when it comes to the actual incentive to lose in the NFL, we saw that Houston Texans fans were mad at Lovey Smith for winning that last game. What do you think the odds should be for the team that still technically would be used to getting that first pick if they have, you know, the worst record in the league? What should the odds be for those teams? Well, I purposefully sort of avoided the conversation of tanking on that article <laughs> mm-hmm. because 
I don't think it would make a huge difference, in all honesty, right? Like, NFL teams lose now to try to get the number one overall pick, just like NBA teams this year lost just for a chance at the lottery, right? So that's why I avoided discussing tanking, not because I didn't want to go there, but more so because I don't think it really makes a difference. It's essentially the same. You see the same quote-unquote effort from both sides. From an odd perspective, I sort of like what the NBA and the NHL does. You don't want one team to have overwhelming odds. I, I, you know, I would say the highest odds should be around what it was in the NBA. I believe it was about somewhere between 12 and 15 percent, mm-hmm. right, the, the, the worst team had. I think if you keep it in that neighborhood, that's how you keep it exciting, and that's how you keep it from getting too predictable. Because let's be honest, the excitement that surrounds the lottery, it's all based on the what could happen, right, the unpredictable aspect of it. So I don't think you'd want to go above about 15 percent odds for the worst team. I'll tell you what, as a guy who's not a big fan of the NBA draft lottery at all, because I feel like the NBA has plenty of funny business behind it, is I'm very intrigued. I'm very intrigued by this conversation. Again, Justin Mello from the Draft Network is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. So when it comes to if the NFL were to have a draft lottery, how many teams would you think should be involved in that, right? Would you do top 10? Would you do top 16? How would you kind of make that work? I would honestly include every single team that didn't make the playoffs. Okay. Right? I think that's the best way to do it. And, of course, just like you saw in the NBA, you know, those teams that were at, like, I think they started with 14th, right, the 14th overall, which is exactly – they do the same thing, I believe, right? They have 16 teams in the playoffs. 14 that don't make it, and then the 14 go into the lottery. But that 14th team, that 13th team, they all had like 0.9, odds at getting the number one pick. I think you'd keep it the same in the NFL, so you wouldn't see, you know, those teams that are go, you know, eight and eight and just miss the playoffs. You know, you'd like to avoid scenarios where they get the number one overall pick. You're likely going to avoid that by ensuring they only have a 0.8 or a 0.9% chance. You typically don't see a lot of movement, but I think the best way for the NFL to do it would be to include every single team that doesn't qualify for the postseason. And how would they go about doing this? Because like I said at the top with the NBA draft, I feel like that there's some funny business that goes on behind the scenes. How could the NFL kind of be transparent so people like myself don't believe that, well, there's some, there's some home cooking going on? Well, I'll tell you what, the NFL, the draft lotteries in general, I just saw this in the NHL, the NBA, it does bring out all the tinfoil, right? The tinfoil hat. I got it all. <laughs> you got it on right now, Q. You got it on right now. But, so, I mean, look, you're always going to get that, right? Like, I, I, again, I saw it a ton. The NHL this year, the Chicago Blackhawks, who were the third favorite um, to get the pick, they got the number one pick. And because they're a huge market, um, certainly a bigger market than the teams that they leapfrogged in the lottery. Uh, the conspiracy theorists were out in full force, right? <laughs> Saying that uh, this was fixed to, for the Chicago Blackhawks to get the number one overall pick. But I think the best way to do that, in all honesty, do something similar to what the NHL and NBA did. They had journalists backstage actually watching the lottery as it happened, right? So they confiscate their phones. So they can't tweet out the results. They can't Mm -hmm. leak anything. And they're actually present, right? So I think that's, I think it's a strong way to do it because look, if anything, a journalist would love to write about how this thing is fixed or this, this draw was fixed. Right. Like that's going to bring in clicks. That's going to bring in numbers. You bring in some trusted journalists from all over the country, from different publications, even if it's just a handful of them, you let them watch the proceedings from beginning to end. At that point, I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, in all honesty. That's enough for me. 
right, to, to know that someone that would love to report how they witnessed the rigged draw, <laughs> they witnessed it beginning to end. That's enough for me. But I tell you what, Q, there's no way around it, right? Like, no matter what, you'd have a couple people claiming home cooking, just like now, right? You've got people uh, claiming they fix games right, right here and there. Like, you're, yeah. you're never going to get away. It's you're never going to do away with <laughs> all of that. But you do the best you can by making sure there are sort of uh, non-involved parties watching the draw. All right, Justin. So if the NFL Network and ESPN, they put you in charge of the day programming for the NFL draft lottery, which prospects or how many prospects do you think deserve a camera with them or a camera crew with them <laughs> to get their thoughts on who's got the first overall pick? Do you just go after the main guy? Is it just one? Like, What prospects do you say, hey, be ready after the NFL draft lottery because we're going to you? Well, I think that varies year to year, right? Certainly with the NBA this year, they had the, they had cameras there in France, uh, for the, uh, you know, the expected number one overall pick. That guy's a generational prospect. Certainly no surprise, right? They had cameras on him and mostly just him. But if I was looking to the 2024 draft, for example, I think Caleb Williams and Drake May are two easy choices. Uh, it, it, people are already treating this like a foregone conclusion that Caleb Williams will go number one overall this year. I do feel pretty strongly that that's going to happen, but I do think Drake May is good enough that we can potentially see him turn the tables throughout the upcoming college football season. I'd have cameras on those two for sure. Maybe take one of the big sexies, right? Take one of those offensive linemen, <laughs> Joe Alt from Notre Dame is a hell of a prospect. Olu Fashanu from Penn State is another one. Both of them I have projected as top 10 picks next year. So I, I, you, know, you wouldn't want cameras, I think, on more than three prospects. Whereas in some years, like the NBA did this year, the prospect is that good. I think back to the Trevor Lawrence draft, for example. I don't know that we would have need cameras on Zach Wilson and Trey Lance and, and, and uh, Mac Jones, but certainly you needed at least one on Trevor Lawrence. Wasn't it Hugh Jackson that said when the Cleveland Browns got the first overall pick, they're like, he's taking, we're taking Miles Garrett, and it's no, no question about it. When, isn't that, wasn't that that year, or am I mistaken? I, I, I think you're correct. Yeah, I remember that one leaking very, very early. Yeah. That's euphoria, right? He, he didn't know how else <laughs> to play the cameras but to be real, right? And they, and they did. And that was a no-brainer, right? I remember, yep. I remember writing an article back in, like, October or November that year that Miles Garrett was going to be the number one overall pick, and there was no question to it. No doubt. No doubt about it. Well, Justin, great stuff as always, man. That was a very intriguing article. It got the wheels turning in my head for sure. Uh, definitely appreciate you joining the show and breaking it down. What else you got working on for the Draft Network that we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, you know, this is typically uh, one of the slower parts of the year, but we're not slowing down over at the Draft Network. We've got a, a quite an interesting series coming on all 32 teams, one undrafted free agent player that you should be monitoring throughout training camp, throughout the preseason. We picked one per team. We're writing long-form articles on why that prospect has a great chance to make the 53-man roster. And we're also picking uh, one breakout player per team. So one mm. player per franchise that has an excellent chance to break out uh, in 2023. So that, that, you know, that's 64 articles right there, right, between those two series. So that, we're beginning our summer scouting series already. You know, the draft never sleeps. We've got eyes on Caleb Williams. We've got eyes on Drake May and everybody else. We will be in attendance at all these upcoming events. There's O-line camps that we're going to be at creating exclusive content. There's quarterback camps we're going to be at 
uh, creating exclusive content. So I'll say the draft never sleeps. The draft network doesn't stop. We got a lot coming for you, both on the 2023 NFL upcoming season and also our summer scouting series as uh, we prepare to get familiar with the 2024 NFL draft. You guys tire me out just thinking about everything you're working on. So <laughs> you guys are doing a hell of a job, man. Keep it up. Fantastic work. We didn't even talk about your piece on Devontae Adams, but we spent a lot of yesterday talking about Devontae Adams. So <laughs> we'll get to that at some point. But, Justin, thanks so much for your time. Great breakdowns, man. I definitely appreciate you. Appreciate you guys. Have a good one. You too, my man. Justin Mello of the Draft Network on Twitter at M underscore NFL. And, yeah, he's got a piece out on the Draft Network as well about uh, Devontae Adams. But we spent the majority of the show yesterday talking about Devontae Adams, so I didn't feel like we had to go there. But the NFL Draft Lottery, Damon, I ask you, the question that I threw out there, as same as his article, and I'm glad that we uh, had him on to talk about it, should the NFL consider a draft lottery? What do you think? Here's my question. I think that they should consider it, but let's take this year in particular, yeah, this year's draft. Right. The Houston Texans, they trade their pick was to the Cardinals, right? Next they, year's They traded their pick to yeah, Arizona. To the Cardinals, yeah. yeah, for next year's first round. Do they make that trade for Will Anderson if they think, "Hey, if we if we're if we're even, you know, yeah. top, bottom 5 bad, we still have an opportunity for that number 1 pick." Because if you're already going into the season thinking, eh, we don't think we're going to be that bad. Yeah. We'll probably be the fifth worst team in the league." So we'll have the number 5 pick in next year's draft. We think Will Anderson's better than that. But do you keep? But do you keep that pick and maybe miss out on Will Anderson if you think, hey, if we are the bottom five team in the league, we still have that opportunity for the number one pick. Next or year. maybe, maybe that's the reason why you do make that trade because maybe you lose a couple of your percentage points, but you still feel like you're in the running and, and you get your good player, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I just think it would add a new wrinkle to trade. For I me. think that's would, the most interesting aspect of it for me. It would be very interesting if the NFL were to do that. But Raider Nation, I want to hear from you. You heard from Justin. Very strong opinions from Justin. I definitely appreciate that. 702-365-9200. Don'tbebroke.com text line 69187 keyword R&R. Should the NFL adapt a NFL draft lottery similar to what you saw from the NBA? And if so, how would you structure it? What do you think that they should do? Like, go a little bit. Give us a little something-something. Give us a little details. You can call us. You can text us. You can tweet us. Also, (laughs) side note, my man Jess, Vegas Jess, said, a possum is related to a kangaroo. LOL. Is that factual, or is that Vegas Jess pushing me in the back, little offensive pass interference like he always does? No, uh, I did look this up during the break. Opossum, it's technically a marsupial. So uh, That's I guess what it she is. said. Yeah. <laughs> Sylvia said a marsupial. I was like, you can't even spell marsupial. I really can't. But, uh, <laughs> well, she can't either. I was like, I don't even know where you pulled that name out. So technically it is in the kangaroo family, but, you know, I'm, I'm no animal expert. I know I ain't it's either. More, it, it looks, looks more like a, like a rodent. It yeah. looks like a rat to me. I think cats are related to rats. I okay. think that rats are related to rats. I know mice are related to rats. I mean, you know what I mean? They're all in the same thing. And don't get, don't come after me, cat, cat lovers. I think cats are related to rodents too. I'm just saying. That's me. But let us know. 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R, don'tbebroke.com, text line. This is Red Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up in a few minutes, we've got Arif Hassan, Pro Football Network. He's got a piece out about best NFL offenses and where every team ranks, and he's got the silver and black ranked at number 14, so we'll talk to him about that, plus the rest of the teams in the AFC West. But before we get to that, we've been talking about possums. Uh, somehow, some way, I brought possums to the to the show, and I didn't realize even what animal it was, and so many people either tweeted at us, texted us, called us, and told us that I was the word and the name and the animal that I was trying to come up with, the rodent that I was trying to come up with, was Possum, Nesto in the 209, Central Coast Raider, Money Hunt, all hit us up. Then my man Vegas Jess hit, hit me up and said, 
Well, actually, the possum is related to the kangaroo, and I'm not buying that one. But we got on the phone lines now. Cam, whoa, Cam, in Australia. Who wants to set the record straight? Cam, what's on your mind, my man? How are you, Q? You doing well? I'm blessed. Unreal. Now, I can tell you one thing. A possum is not related to a kangaroo. A possum is English from England and was brought to Australia by the Poms when we were colonised. And a kangaroo is a dinky-dyed, dead-set, Aussie, traditional animal. They are both marsupials. And also, a little-known fact, we have the only marsupial in the world that lays an egg. It's called a platypus. Oh, okay. I know what a platypus is. There you go. Hey, man, you're, you're learning me today. I like that. So, so there's no possum related to a kangaroo? No way. No way. I love it. I love it. Cam, I definitely appreciate you. The only thing they have in common is they're both marsupials. That is correct. Okay. All right. So there we go. We'll set the record straight. And as far as the lottery goes, no way. You finish bottom, you get the first pick. End of story. There it is. Cam said it. I thank you, Cam. Appreciate you. Great stuff right there. Hey, look, man. Look, man. This is what we do. When we have questions, we go to the source. We go to the source right there. <laughs> Went down under. <laughs> I mean, really did go down under. My man Cam, he came through like the first of the month. That's fantastic. And real quick, what makes an animal a marsupial or a mammal? It's uh, the pouch. So all animals that have the pouch, you know, where they uh, carry the young ones, that's what makes it a marsupial. So a possum uh, has that pouch. Does it really? Yeah. I've I, never I, seen I'm not a- looking up under a possum, <laughs> so I would have never known. <laughs> the kangaroo was right there in the front. I, yeah, I didn't know that there was a pouch on a possum. That sounds like that sounds like a hip hop song. <laughs> I don't know how this show got sideways today. I say it's the aviators' fault. <laughs> yeah, the short shows, man. Yeah, that is too funny. So there's literally there's a pouch on a possum. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I've never been up close and exactly. personal with a possum. How would we know? No, no, that's real. I wonder how Vegas just knew that. But they're not related. It's not related to a kangaroo, though. So that's 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 where we're at. And he says no. To uh to the NFL draft lottery, but <laughs> this is interesting, man. I don't know what's more intriguing of a conversation. I had no idea that that there was a, a um a pouch on a possum. I'm like really intrigued by this. I got to go home and do some homework. I got to learn these things. Cam just educated us, man. That was fantastic. <laughs> Oh, man, we're efforting Arif Hassan. We're going to get back on track, I promise you. But you can chime in on any of the conversations that we're having at 69187, keyword r and, of course, 702-365-9200. NFL draft lottery is what we've been focused in on when we're, when we're trying to be focused. Do you think the NFL should adapt one just like the NBA has? So we'll take those on the text line again, 69187, keyword r Join us now on the phone lines from Pro Football Network is Arif Hassan. And Arif, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. I was checking out Pro Football Network and saw your piece about the uh, NFL's rankings of offense, the best NFL offenses that you had. And uh, when you were putting this together, and Kansas City came out on top, but you said barely, when you were putting this together, what was kind of, what was the formula that, came, that you came up with that, that made you uh, you know, rank the offenses the way you did? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to take a look at how players that they had uh, added to these offenses would statistically affect things. You know, receivers matter a little bit more than running backs do. Quarterbacks obviously matter the most. But I take a look at quarterback performance specifically over the past three years and over last year to kind of see what that quarterback should be expected to do going forward. You obviously have to, like, adjust for the fact that this guy was a rookie last year or whatever. Uh, and I, I tried to have an accounting for each position, whether it was left guard, fullback, tight end, whatever, their importance to the offense and how they've historically played in the NFL or how that draft pick has historically played. So you have the Raiders ranked at 14th, and that's third in the AFC West. And so Jimmy G is the new quarterback. And, you know, we always talk about injury when it comes to Jimmy G. But when you see him as the quarterback of the silver and black, knowing that he's familiar with Josh McDaniels, what do you think his biggest strength will be bringing to the table this year for that Raiders offense? You know, I think it's his ability to make quick decisions. I think his ability to get the ball out quickly, figure out kind of what he's seeing on the field, make the correct decision as soon as he sees it, and, uh, you know, spray the ball out, whether it's to Devontae Adams or, you know, if Hunter Renfro is still there, uh, Hunter Renfro or any number of other pass catchers that the Raiders have at their disposal. Finding someone who's open based on the defense that he sees available to him, he'll be able to get that ball out in two seconds. One of the things that has been told to me that he does really well is he thrives in the red zone, and the Raiders have traditionally struggled in the red zone over the past, I don't know, how many years. It's been a while, though. How much do you think he'll help out uh, the Raiders' struggles that they have in the red zone? You know, I, I think it'll help a lot. It's always difficult to use red zone statistics because okay. they change so much from year to year. It's a pretty volatile statistic. But I think that, you know, having someone who can make quick decisions like that specifically helps him out, helps them out a lot because the red zone is so compressed. Everything moves faster. Having someone who can process everything as quickly as he does really helps. I mean, you lose a big body in somebody like Darren Waller, although I think you know, he was more of a big play guy than a red zone guy. But you add somebody like Jacoby Myers, who, despite not being as big as somebody like Darren Waller, has, you know, some ability to win in tight spaces and in contested catch areas. Again, Arif Hassan from Pro Football Network is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920. Necessary Roughness. DeMond's got one for you. Yesterday on the show, we were talking about how much better can Devontae Adams make Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you think that that elite wide receiver can take the average quarterback to maybe even above average? Or is his number still just going to be the same? He'll just now have that premier target. You know, I think it kind of depends on the quarterback and the offense. I think it'd be really silly of us to say that Tyreek Hill didn't improve, you know, to a tug of Iloa and, and the way that they played. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, the quarterback is controlling how that offense is going, and you can't really change that too much. Sometimes it depends on the style of receiver, too. I think DeAndre Hopkins can help every quarterback become better because it's difficult to underthrow or overthrow Hopkins. I think that, you know, having a receiver like Devontae Adams specifically who can make bad throws look like good throws can help someone out and without that many bad throws from Jimmy um, you know there there is some opportunity available to really maximize you know what Adams can do but I think the area that he helps out the most you know Jimmy's not a deep throwing quarterback he's not going to throw 30 yard bombs every single play um, but you know one of the best yak receivers in the NFL right now is Devontae Adams who's been taking slants to the house for you know as as long as we can remember and so I think that that having somebody who can you know make the most of these short catches like Adams uh, is going to is going to help out Garoppolo so I think specific to his play style that's going to be something that's going to help out a lot this is about the Raiders but also just teams in general on the list that were ranked even higher than them how much of a factor is that offensive line for a team that maybe on paper they have all the weapons but maybe the the pass protection or run protection isn't where it needs to be to be considered elite 
Yeah, the offensive line is actually where the Raiders kind of get dinged here. Because like you said, I mean, that is, a, that is a really good receiving unit. Jimmy Garoppolo should be a bit of an upgrade at quarterback. But, you know, not knowing whether or not Dylan Parham can be a great player, knowing what Alex Barr's history is at guard, you know, not seeing, you know, the potential for somebody like Moody to see the field or anything like that, um, you know, not having a strong history of play with Illuminor. I, I think that all of those play a pretty significant role. Like I know, you know, Garoppolo specifically gets rid of the ball quickly, but on average, your pass protection is going to kind of define your offensive performance uh, in, in a pretty big way. You know, being able to get rid of the ball quickly is nice. Being able to hold on to the ball when you need to hold on to the ball is really fantastic because even for quarterbacks that don't like to throw deep, you know, having that cushion and luxury allows them to create explosive plays where there weren't before. How much having the, the league's leading rusher from a year ago I and mean, Josh Jacobs, having him back, how much will that help the offense as well, in your opinion? Uh, it'll help. You know, it's certainly always good to have good players, but running backs just typically don't add that much to offensive performance. You'll always find outliers. Like, you know, Christian McCaffrey last year was really crucial for the 49ers. We've seen Derrick Henry do really well for the Titans. But year over year, even after really astounding performances uh, from running backs like Josh Jacobs, um, it's difficult to say that next year that running back is going to have a big impact. It'll definitely help. But in terms of seeing how many points are added to the board over, you know, maybe drafting a guy in the third round and seeing this guy walk in free agency, you know, the, the difference is not that substantial. He's always fun to watch, and it's always good to have a good player there. But it's always difficult to see kind of next year how that running back is going to help. Talking right now with Arif Hassan from the Pro Football Network, talking all things best offenses in the NFL. We talked about the Raiders again. They came in at 14th. They were ranked third in the AFC West. The Denver Broncos, they were ranked 16th and 4th in the AFC West. How much does the Sean Payton factor help Denver early on in this season as the Raiders square up with them in Week 1? Yeah, that one's going to be a really, really interesting matchup. I mean, Sean Payton, obviously, when he's coaching, he likes really aggressive defenses, so we'll see how, you know, the Broncos want to attack with, uh, you know, the way that they attack that pass protection we just mentioned. But, you know, primarily it's going to be taking a look at that Raiders defense, seeing how they can do with the, with a the Sean Payton offense, and maybe he's reworked Russell Wilson to, to be, you know, a, a much better player than he was last year, to be kind of his old self. Um, it's going to depend on, you know, players like Chandler Jones playing better than they did last year, Tyree Wilson having an immediate impact, maybe seeing a little bit more out of Jerry Tillery, you know, with the Raiders than we saw with the Chargers. I think that is going to play, you know, a pretty big role. Not seeing a ton of improvements in uh, the secondary uh, is going to be a bit of a problem. It really depends, again, on, you know, what Russell Wilson can do, how much Sean Payton can improve Russell Wilson, and how that receiver core, which I think has a lot of potential um, from the Broncos, how that receiver core matches up, you know, to players, you know, like Nate Hobbs or David Long or Duke Shelley or whoever's going to be out there. You know, I want to get your gut feeling on Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. How does that dynamic work? And, and as you mentioned, Sean Payton making him better. How much better can Russ be? You know, that's a really good question. I think a lot of it is just, you know, when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, there's a certain type of play style that you should be expected to get out of him. Um, and for him specifically, he loves the sideline throws. He loves deep bombs. He hates throwing over the middle of the field. And the offense they designed for him last year was just was built the opposite way. And so that hurt a lot, but also, you know, it's probably more than that. There's probably something there. You know, he's aging. He was a kind of a running quarterback a little bit. He didn't take as many hits as you'd think, but, you know, he always used his mobility in some ways. Uh, and, w and without that, that's always going to hurt. But I think Sean Payton is really great 
at offensive design, figuring out what his quarterbacks like to do and maximizing that. I don't think he's going to install the Drew Brees offense there. That would be a disaster, even though they're both kind of smaller quarterbacks. I think that what he's going to do is design an offense that's going to maximize Wilson. I don't think he's going to hit, you know, the the kind of really high levels of play that he had in 2014-2015, but I think he is going to take a big leap forward from 2022. Keeping it in the AFC West, the only thing that the Chargers should be ranked number one in is social media, but I'm still a little bit surprised that you have them at ninth when it comes to their offense because if you listen to the national media, Justin Herbert's the second coming, but of a quarterback of that caliber, their offense is only ranked nine. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of it just has to do with the fact that we don't really know what that offensive line is going to be able to do. They're you know, persistently hurt, and we just talked about how important you know, that offensive line is. Um, same with the receiver core. They added a first-round receiver, of course, but you know, it is a receiver core that's persistently hurt, and they need a lot more depth there. Uh, and so even though Justin Herbert is projected to do pretty well individually, uh, it's really tough to trust the Chargers overall just because, I mean, that's, that's a normal phrase, I think, just generally speaking. But, um, you know, it, it's tough because that, that pass protection plays such a really critical role in evaluating how these offenses will, you know, perform going forward. They've had problems with interior protection. They've had problems, you know, at right tackle. Really, they just got to hope that Rashawn Slayer is healthy, healthy and then everyone else kind of plays up to their potential and plays healthy. But that is what's holding back the Chargers from being, you know, a top five offense in these kinds of rankings. I know that the role of the running back is diminished, but when the, with the Chargers with Austin Eckler, uh, one, a running back who's also so proficient in the receiving game, if he were not to play for them this season because he does have that trade demand, maybe not does it affect their rankings, but do you, uh, do, do you think it affects their overall look on the field? I think it does because one of the ways that you deal with really poor pass protection is you check down, and Austin Eckler is just the perfect check down option available to you. And you can mitigate, you know, a breakdown pass protection because your running back is going to be open. If you don't have a good route runner at running back, if you don't have somebody who can catch those short passes and, and make them into positive gains, it's going to make your negative plays really significantly worse. And so, uh, from the look of that offense, they're going to have to design ways, if they don't have Austin Eckler, they're going to have to design ways to either increase the amount of protection that Justin Herbert sees or find a new way to get somebody open. They did add a receiver, like we just said, in the draft, and maybe they'll have one receiver kind of always delegated to to being open on shorter, hot routes. But I think that that's just a, a really difficult thing to overcome. You know, Quentin Johnston, the, the first-round pick that you're talking about out of TCU, uh, what, what do you think his role will be with the Chargers? He's, is he a guy that you think is going to just try to uh, get down the field and be the big play guy? Or, or, like you said, maybe just be open all the time, be short and intermediate? Yeah, I think, you know, I mean, Keenan Allen has obviously been like a really great um, deep uh, threat over the years, but I think that he's probably best suited to be that guy that's going to be available to you kind of underneath, is going to find ways to get open, is going to find ways to read, you know, what that defense is doing and find those extra spaces. And so I probably think that you'd want Quentin Johnston and Mike Williams to play somewhat similar roles, maybe send Quentin Johnston deep a little bit more often because he should, despite his testing, have the, the, the speed to get open downfield more often than the other two. Um, but I think that they're probably probably going to want to mix up what, what Williams and Johnston do to make sure that, you know, defenses don't always have a, you know, a, a, a good bead on what each receiver is doing on each play. But I think for the most part, you're going to want Johnston intermediate and deep. You know, my biggest question that comes to the Chargers and what their offense is going to look like is how does Kellen Moore fit into the mix, right? He's a new offensive coordinator. He comes over from Dallas. And when I was covering the Cowboys, he's a pass, 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 pass. Oh, yeah, we got a couple running backs. Here you go. Here's the ball. So how do you think that that Chargers offense looks with Kellen Moore calling the shots? 
you know, I, I think it'll be a little bit more, um, I don't know, adaptable to the circumstances around. But, I mean, the Chargers have always thrown the ball a lot. Kellen Moore likes throwing the ball a lot. I don't think that's going to change. I think they're going to still throw the ball, you know, quite a bit. Um, but I, I think that the offense is going to be more responsive to the defenses that they see. It's going to understand that, hey, you know, if this defense is blitzing a lot, we're probably going to have a receiver run a replacement route against that linebacker and throw to him if they do blitz. If this defense likes to play a lot of cover three, then we'll run four verts or something like that. I think we're going to see one that, that changes um, based on what they see versus kind of last year that, that offense was fairly stale. All right, the Chiefs, they're obviously number one. Is it just because Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Mahomes and the three of us could be out there? Or is it just, uh, or do they have even more weapons that make them the most elite offense in the league? I got good hands, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I bet you do. Uh, it's, it, is, it is primarily, you know, those three, honestly. It has very little to do, you know, with the strength of their offensive line. In fact, from a pass protection standpoint, um, it seems like they, they may have downgraded a little bit. You know, Jawan Taylor's a fine pass protector, but at right tackle, it's kind of, you know, weird. He's a, you know, Donovan Smith at left tackle is a downgrade from Orlando Brown. Uh, and really, you take a look at everyone besides those, and it's, it's not super impressive. There's a little boost there from a second-round pick at receiver, at least in the model. But, you know, for the most part, it is just the fact that Patrick Mahomes is such an advantage over every other quarterback in the NFL, that Andy Reid has done such a great job maximizing who he is, and that Travis Kelsey's kind of always there um, to create additional points that weren't going to be there otherwise. It's, it's really those three, honestly. Yeah, and in your piece, I mean, you said that they're number one, but it's close, right? So, I mean, the number two team you have there is Buffalo. So you see Buffalo gaining, gaining ground on, on Kansas City? Yeah, no, I do, and and I think it's the weakness that Kansas City has in pass protection that mm-hmm. that plays that that big of a role. You know, Buffalo adding somebody like Connor McGovern on their own end in pass protection helps a little bit. You know, having Osiris Torrance at guard kind of helps them a little bit. Um, but then you add somebody like a Dalton Kincaid, you add somebody like a Justin Shorter, and you've got you know a couple of additional receiving pieces available to somebody like Josh Allen, whose performance over the last couple of years has been extraordinary, and you can see where they're beginning to kind of make up that ground. Again, your piece out there on ProFootballNetwork.com right now about NFL offense rankings, updated 2023, who has the best offense in the league. It was published at 6 a.m. Pacific time. Can I assume, Arif, that uh, the defense is on the way soon? It is on the way, it is, yeah. When, when's that dropping, or what, what do you got coming out next that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, it should be dropping uh, tomorrow morning. I'm just finishing up the piece right here. Spoiler, the Raiders don't look phenomenal here. <laughs> well, you know what? I would I would be shocked if they did. So there you go. Arif, fantastic stuff, man. Thanks for joining us. We definitely appreciate you, and we'll be checking out your defensive side of things tomorrow. Uh, we'll be talking about it here on the show. We appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, you too. There he goes. Arif Hassan from Pro Football Network. He said the Raiders don't look phenomenal on defense. And you know what? They shouldn't. There's a lot of questions about the Raiders' defense, and there's a lot of guys that they brought in free agency on you know, short-term deals, and of course, six out of their nine draft picks were on the defensive side of things. As many people have called in and said, many people texted in, many people tweeted in. It's going to take a time, take a little bit of time for that defense to gel and some of those guys to come together. Even the free agents that they brought in during the offseason. Three forty-five is the time. We want to hear from you. Seven zero two three six five ninety two hundred and the Don't Be Broke dot com text line six nine one eight seven keyword R and R. This is Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. 3.49 is the time here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. We've got a loaded studio. I feel like this is the morning tailgate, but in the afternoon. This so it's is the afternoon tailgate. It's the Unnecessary Roughness party. 
right? Oh. We're throwing we're throwing a, a shindig. Is that what they call it? A shindig? Why is he asking me this, man? That's scary. Well, you said that you're uh, smart. Well, that's not the word I use, well, but I, right. I can't <laughs> say what I said on air. But, but it was it was referring to being smart. So we have Kevin in the building. Hey, we hey. have Sylvia in the building. Of course, Demond's in the building. This whole thing has started wonky today <laughs> because I started asking about the animal that was up in the A's press box that everyone was kind of running from, and I knew it was related to a rat. Mm-hmm. So Great Raider Nation all chimed in. Even Mama Q sent me a text. It was like, a possum. And I was like, yes, that's right. It's a possum. So anyway, I said it's related to a rat. Well, my guy Vegas Jess came back and said, no, uh, it's related to a kangaroo. Then Sylvia said, what did you say? I said it's a marsupial. I had never even heard of that. You've You've never never heard heard of the word word marsupial. Wow. Why don't we just all do it at the same time? (laughs) No. (laughs) You ain't never seen Kangaroo Jack? No, I don't watch movies. So anyway, long story short, Uh we had Cam from Australia. (gasps) <gasps> call in because cool. that's how we roll. Yeah. That's how we roll. Wow. That's, that's how we spooky. roll, Kev. Okay. That's, that's dangerous. Right. That's right. International. Kev. That's exactly. Mm-hmm. International players around Worldwide. Here. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide. Oh, God. They didn't send spiders to the to the phone, did they? No. Oh, do you, oh I you, don't, you I, might not even know that they have spiders that big down in, in they Australia. They do have really big spiders. It's spooky, I've, man. Yeah, because I've been to Australia. Everything's bigger and, and, da- bigger and, and, dangerous, and dangerous, dangerous, more dangerous yeah. down there. That's what they say about kill Texas. Everything's bigger. No, in Texas, I think this is think. like Texas on steroids. So if I were to go to Texas, I would step off the plane of five foot eight. Probably not. Aww. A man can dream. I'm right there with you. <laughs> we can go together. <laughs> I can say on a whole side note, when I uh, I got off the train, I took a train to Texas when I left from California all the way to Texas. Uh-huh. It took me three days to get there. They did not let me off in a station. They let me off on a cement block. They were like, all right, go ahead and, and get off there. I think the train slowed down. I don't think it finally came to a stop, but it slowed down, and I just jumped off. I was like, I have a ticket. I don't have to jump off, but I did have to jump off. Oh, my God. You weren't on the reverse Harry Potter experience, my guy. Man, anytime you reference a movie, I have no idea what you're talking it's about. It's a book, dog. Well, yeah, why, would, why would he have been reading Harry Potter? Come on, man. Yeah, he's not in our age group to be reading Harry Potter. What is he, like 50? How old are you? 46. He's 46. But I'm good oh, looking. Sometimes you he got, actually is. That's not our, he's he, not in our age group. He moisturizes <laughs> I was going to really say, well. sometimes you got a stereotype. I don't, you know. Yeah, black don't crack. You can say it. It's all right. <laughs> that's better than saying he's born with it. Some Maybelline stuff. Oh, wow. All right, so. <laughs> talk to me. So, now we've established a marsupial. Yeah, yeah. And my biggest question is, okay, apparently a marsupial is a marsupial. Why, Sylvia? Because it has a pouch. Kevin, uh-huh. how in the hell did you know that a possum had a pouch? It had to have been, I encountered one early in my life, or I watch uh, Animal Planet. Sylvia, how did you know a possum had a pouch? Um, I also watch Animal Planet, but I, I know really useless information. Um, <laughs> and I brought this example up earlier. Like, which boat or which ship was the one that, like, um, rescued the Titanic survivors? Like, got the, like, the... Nina, the, Pinta, Santa Maria, a, one of those? It was the Carpathia. I would not have guessed that. Right. I, that is, I've never even heard of the Carpathia. Uh, That's not even sounds real. Sounds like uh, related to the Kardashian. Sounds no, like you made that it's up. It's spelled with a C. Oh, well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> I, like, I, I, know don't, that. I don't know if, it was, if, I, if I pronounce it right, but it's something like Carpathia. Something okay. like that. So when does anyone ever see a pouch on a possum? Like, I've never, I've seen plenty of possums. I've seen some dead in the road because they got hit by cars. But I've never, and I've seen some digging in my front yard. I've never seen a pouch on a possum. You ever get I think it? it's just something that you learn at school. Obviously not. I don't know about that one. I don't know. Like, you know, like different marsupials, like different species. I don't even remember the word. I'm like being honest. I don't even remember the word marsupial until, 
you know, until we re- like five minutes ago when basically, I said it. <laughs> basically, well, you brought up something good. Seeing in the trash, right? So when you're down here at my level, normal like garden variety animals, those become like threats. Those things have health bars. So when I hear them rummaging around out back, it's either a raccoon or it's or it's an opossum. And I got to get that out of there. You might just boot it away. Me, I got to, you know, grapple it, take it to the floor, chokehold, arm bar, all I that don't, stuff. Honestly, Shout I out don't... to Kevin. Put the pinky in the air. He said opossum. I know. Yeah, I we... was going to say that. We... Like, I, It makes me uncomfortable when it's what? opossum. That's a why? fancy guy. Why, why, is it, why is it uncomfortable? I don't know. It's just... Because it's technically opossum. It's opossum. I know, but why would you be uncomfortable by just, saying it that? It should be possum. Somebody showing off the big brain over I know. here. It should well, be he possum. said he was smart when he started the whole thing. That is true. That's true. That's why I'm losing my hair. It's poking through now. The brain is expanding. Well, you got a l- enough hair on your face. I got enough hair on the body, too, man. It's everywhere. Hey, 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 it's hey, a family hey. show, brother. I'm trying to start one. <laughs> <laughs> well, possum. <laughs> you need to go find an opossum. <laughs> Unbelievable. I was about to say I need to find a pouch. Oh, <laughs> All, right. All right, well. What are you there, doing to me, kid? Yeah, I don't have any idea. That was Kevin. It's myself. <laughs> That's Kevin, ladies and gentlemen. Kevin from the fifth floor. Unbelievable. 3.54 is the time. We have learned Animal Planet. We've learned that possums have pouches and a lot more that we probably didn't want to know, but we learned it today on Randish Radio 920.